Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. Well, it hasn't been the week that we have wanted it to be for Red Raider baseball. As you know from the last episode, and of course, paying attention yourself, the Red Raiders only take one from the West Virginia Mountaineers out in Morgantown, West Virginia. Beautiful pitching performance by Caleb Killian. Great batting by Gabe Holt over the weekend as a whole. Some other good individual performances, but Red Raiders ultimately drop the first game 2-0, give up a walk-off walk to lose the Saturday game 4-3, and then Killian does lead the Red Raiders to victory in a complete game shutout on Sunday. A two-hitter, in fact. But the Red Raiders go to North Carolina to play the Duke Blue Devils, Looking forward to the rematch there from the 2018 Super Regional. And unfortunately, the Red Raiders are not able to pull one out against the Dukies. They end up falling in that one 13-6. At one point, they trailed 6-1 in the game. I'll dive into that one a little bit, and we'll preview the Baylor Bears. But first, I want to talk a little bit about some national news going on here in college baseball. I thought about making this a standalone episode, but I don't want to give myself that much time to rant about it. If you've been listening for a while, the questions segment on the Dinger Derby podcast. I call it Throwing Ched with Raider Red. Well, I'm going to rebrand that a little bit. I'm going to change that segment. When I get on my soapbox, that's what Throwing Ched's going to be now. So we tell you in the intro, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. Well, this is Throwing Ched with Raider Red. This guy's a first ball fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball! Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe Ruth! You may not look like a winning team, but you are one. So, play like one tonight. So here's what I want to talk to you about, folks. It's something I talked about early in the season when D1Baseball.com had reported that the Big Ten Conference would be voting no on a potential third paid assistant coach for college baseball teams. And I did give you my opinion back then, and I'll give you some of my opinion now as well, but I got a few bones to pick, and I'm not going to be shy about picking them. So to set the stage in college baseball, a team can have a head coach, which of course Texas Tech does in Tim Tadlock. Tim Tadlock's one of the top five or so compensated coaches in college baseball. He makes a million dollars a year, maybe a little bit more. Uh, That really puts him right up in the upper echelon of college baseball coaches, and rightfully so. Three College World Series in five years has done a fantastic job. Now, college baseball programs can also have two paid assistant coaches. So generally, you have a pitching coach, which Texas Tech does, and Matt Gardner, and then you have another assistant coach. In Texas Tech case, that's J. Bob Thomas, who is also the recruiting coordinator for the Red Raiders. Now, Texas Tech is a little bit different in that they have Ray Hayward as well as who is a special assistant. Now, Coach Hayward was the pitching coach, and Matt Gardner was the volunteer assistant coach, which college baseball teams can also have. It's an uncompensated volunteer coach. 
Matt Gardner was in that position for a while. He was elevated to assistant coach, and Ray Hayward was made a special assistant. Now, Eric Gutierrez this season, if you'll remember, Goot, the first baseman for the Red Raiders, he is now the volunteer assistant coach. He retired from pro baseball last summer, and he is engaged now, and he's a volunteer assistant coach for Texas Tech. You may have seen him coaching if you watched the Sunday game against West Virginia, the Tuesday game against Duke. He was coaching first base. We saw a little swap out there. J. Bob Thomas at third and Goode over there at first. Coach Tadlock back in the dugout. Probably some superstition coming into play there, changing some things up. They did the same last year. Last year, Hunter Redman was the volunteer assistant coach for the Red Raiders. So this is an ongoing process in college baseball. You have these volunteer assistants come in. Sometimes they get to move up or maybe they move on and find a paid assistant job, kind of an internship type situation. I'm sure it's not an easy life. To kind of round out the rest of the staff for Texas Tech baseball, you have the director of baseball operations. His name is Joe Hughes. Joe's been with Coach Tadlock for a while. He's a former player as well. I believe he played at Oklahoma, and now he is here with the Red Raiders. So he does a lot of logistics for the team, and that position under other coaches has been called chief of staff, things like that, but a director of operations. So day-to-day operations, baseball student-athletes needs, manages travel and scheduling, the budget, does a lot of things like that. Facility needs, really just takes care of everything. He's in his seventh season as the director of baseball ops for the Red Raiders. He also handles camps for the Red Raiders, handles recruiting when recruits are on campus. He's he's really a great guy, and he does a really good job for Texas Tech. So kind of know what he does. I'll be mentioning him in a little bit. Brian Simpson's the athletic trainer for baseball. I do believe that Brian is a full-time athletic trainer for baseball alone. I I may be wrong in that, but I do believe that he's full-time just for baseball. Shishir Bakhta has been around Texas Tech baseball for a long time. He's an equipment manager. He was around way back when my brother-in-law played at Tech in the early 2000s, and he's still there. So full-time equipment manager. Lindy Kiesling, the director of player development and support services for Tech baseball. And then Tori Stevens is an assistant athletics director. He's a director of strength and conditioning. So I don't know if he's totally 100% full-time with baseball, but he's certainly there a lot. I see him there all the time. I'm sure he's working with these guys extensively. So when you think about that, and then you have a sports information director, an SID for baseball, his name's Ty Parker. So the Red Raiders all together have 10 full-time staff supporting Texas Tech baseball, 10 full-time staff, coaches and otherwise supporting the Red Raider baseball team. That's not bad. I mean, that's, that's a good size staff for that team, a good size staff for a program like Texas Tech. That shows a real commitment by the athletic department to success for Red Raider baseball. So you may wonder how other programs would compare to that. Well, I can compare one for you, and I'm going to compare them a couple of times. The Texas Longhorns also have 10 full-time staff for their baseball program, and those staff do similar jobs to the ones the Red Raiders do. Of course, you have the coaches. One difference, they have a video coordinator that's a full-time staff there, but you have an athletic performance, you have an equipment manager, you have a trainer, player development person, baseball ops. I mean, it's very similar. I'm sure they have an SID as well. So 10 full-time staff for the Texas Longhorns, 10 full-time staff for the Texas Tech Red Raiders on the baseball side of things. So you're wondering maybe, Keith, where are you going with this? Like, why are we talking about this? And you said you're getting on a soapbox, so what's it going to be? Well, here's my soapbox. I was on the side of passing this third volunteer assistant and 
thinking it was a great thing for everybody, especially when D1 Baseball posted the story about the Big Ten. But then, a few days ago, Kendall Rogers, who's the co-managing editor of D1Baseball.com, started tweeting about this in reference to the Big 12 Conference. Now, I'll be totally honest with you folks. I'm focused on Texas Tech baseball, what they're doing on the field, balls and strikes, what players are up to. I hadn't paid a lot of attention to this topic on a national scale. On the surface, it seemed like a good thing, and I generally supported it. But then I saw this tweet from Kendall Rogers. Just got off the phone with that TTU baseball AD, Kirby Hocutt, who's a no vote on the third paid assistant. Hocutt said if it passes, he will fund the position, but that his stance is the way it is because he'd prefer that money go to student wellness and increasing grant in aid. So, of course, I see Kirby Hocutt mentioned, and I think, oh my gosh, I need to pay a little bit of attention here, see what's going on. Turns out the Texas AD, Chris Del Delconi, had come out that day and said he would also vote no on this third paid assistant. And just so you're clear with how the votes break out, there are 60 possible votes for this third paid assistant. So there's a division one council that will meet. The SEC has brought this quote unquote legislation. They've brought this up to the the division one council. It'll be voted on. Actually, it was voted on Wednesday, Wednesday of this week, Wednesday, April 17th. It'll be final on Friday that they have a little bit of time to vote. So the vote will go final on the 19th on Friday. And if it passed, it would go into effect in August. So 60 total votes, power five conferences get four votes, group of five conferences get two votes, everyone else, all other conferences get one vote. And there are two student athlete representatives on the council, both who reportedly plan to vote. Yes. So they need a simple majority, 31 votes for the thing to pass. And it doesn't require colleges to fund the third paid assistant. It just makes it an option. And for some reason, from what I'm reading, some conferences demanded that the SEC include them. Softball is also included in this vote. So this would authorize a third paid assistant coach for baseball, Division I baseball, and Division I softball. So they're lumped together. They can't be separated. Another wrinkle in this whole process, if it was voted down, the SEC or any other conference could not submit this quote unquote legislation again. They couldn't, if it was Congress, they couldn't present this bill again for four years. So if it wasn't going to pass, they could pull it off the table and not vote on it at all. They could pull it off, potentially remove softball, try to push for it again. But as I said, it doesn't require anyone to pay a third coach. It just gives them the option. But I mean, if you're looking at yourself, if you're an elite program, I think Texas Tech is an elite program. They're not the most well-funded program by any means, but an elite athletic department, an elite program, a school that's performing at a high level. If you want to stay competitive with other teams, you're going to need to pay both of those positions. One for sure, probably both. And when it comes down to balance and Title IX, you're going to need to pay both. You can't pay one for baseball and not the other. As I see this tweet come out and I start paying a little bit more attention to what's being said... I noticed that Kendall is really banging his drum on this vote. He's really getting out there and making his opinion known. And if you're not familiar with D1Baseball.com, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. I really have respected the coverage they have. They really do the best job in college baseball, in my opinion, sharing out what's going on. I subscribe to their website. I think it's quality coverage. They're pretty good writers. They have good folks around the country paying attention. They have a weekly podcast about the top 25. They also have what they call their nerd cast, and they try to look ahead and project the field of 64 regularly as the season progresses. 
But I've noticed that between Kindle and then Aaron Fit, they're both the co-managing editor of this website, d1baseball.com. They both have really been outspoken with their opinion. And so I knew when I saw this about the Big 12 that things were going to get pretty opinionated. And there were going to be a lot of comments and a lot of replies and a lot of things coming out. Almost immediately, Kendall says, I have an immense amount of respect for Kirby Hocutt. He's always been good to me, and I think he's an excellent AD. But he's wrong here. There's not a chance in hell we're getting more quote-unquote aid passed anytime soon. Like zero. Now, as you know, and I've explained in earlier episodes, college baseball gets 11.7 scholarships each year. And so they're talking about providing more aid, more scholarship numbers for players, which many people want. It's the biggest problem in college baseball across the board, and there's absolutely no movement on doing anything about it. So what I begin to see here is a pattern of both Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt saying, just do this because it's the right thing to do. Do this because it's something rather than let's go do what really makes a difference. Now, if you pay attention to politics, which I also do, you see a lot of let's just pass this because it's something rather than let's go pass something great that's going to really make a difference. And that's how we end up with some of the messes that we find ourselves in as a country or a state or whatever. So I'm admittedly getting a little upset here seeing some of these things, and it's centered around Texas Tech and what's going on with our school. So as things move forward, Kendall continues to share some more information. Another premier coach I spoke with this AM on TTU baseball being a no vote, quote, no program on that campus has given Tech Athletics more notoriety on the national stage in the last decade than TTU baseball until basketball this year. Turning the back on baseball is shameful, end quote. Well, first of all, Kendall, we don't care what any other coach thinks of Texas Tech University or the Texas Tech Athletic Department, period, full stop. But yes, baseball has brought a lot of notoriety to Texas Tech. It has been very successful. I obviously am a big fan of Texas Tech baseball. I'm doing a podcast about it in my free time for fun. But when it comes down to it, Baseball at basically every school in this country is not a revenue sport. I understand that there are volunteer assistant coaches that have a tough road out there. Everyone that's ever done an internship in their life, an unpaid one especially, has had to fight through some tough times as they fight towards their dream. Now, my question is, if you've been a volunteer assistant coach for seven years, you were a reasonably okay college player that didn't get drafted from a mid-major, you came back to be a volunteer assistant and you're still there seven years later, maybe that means that you don't have the opportunity to move up in a profession that's tough and requires greatness. I'm not trying to be cold or too calculating, but I'm saying Coach Tadlock went through the slog. I mean, he was long time in junior colleges, working as an assistant, moving up through the ranks until he had an opportunity back at Texas Tech at his alma mater. Now, I'm sure that every coach in the country is saying, yes, pay that assistant. I want the resources. Why wouldn't they? Of course they want that. But Kirby Hocutt isn't paid to be a bleeding heart. He's not paid to feel his way into decisions. He's paid to make Texas Tech athletics competitive and the best that they can be. And I'm going to talk about what he's done to make that possible for baseball, but I want to go through a couple more of these tweets. 
So we start to see a lot more of the opinions kind of come through. And Kindle, I will admit, has been a little bit quieter on those opinions. I have noticed a lot of deleted tweets and replies. So I think some of those things that he said that I'm remembering, he has removed some of them and has tried to pretend to play this a little more evenly. Aaron Fitt, his co-managing editor, has made no qualms about some really colorful language about this decision. But here's another one from Kendall Rogers. So two things. One, there's no doubt people should pass the third assistant. Two, 99% of athletic programs wouldn't exist if not for football. As far as I'm concerned, Football has earned the right to do whatever the hell it wants. Sure, that's great. That was in reply to someone talking about how many resources football has. Well, yeah, of course, football brings all of the resources to athletic departments. Anyone that's been around college athletics is very well aware of the model of revenue sports, funding, non-revenue sports. And as much as we love baseball at Texas Tech, it continues to be a non-revenue sport. And that will most likely not change. There are very few that could be. But I keep going back to this tweet where Kendall says that Kirby Hocutt is wrong. No kind of saying this, you're wrong. Mom is right. I'll tell you what right now, I'm getting a little Papa Bear feeling when it comes to Kirby Hocutt. I respect the heck out of him. I think he does a great job for Texas Tech. But to see some of the things that have been said have really, really gotten me upset. Another one from Kendall. I'm sure that's part of it, and I get it. But actions do have consequences. Don't think Tim Tadlock won't remember this when some school with a blank check comes calling at some point. Think again. Who the hell is Kendall Rogers to tell either Tim Tadlock, Red Raiders, or Texas Tech University what he is going to do when a time comes around for somebody to hire him? Because the last time somebody came to hire Tim Tadlock, I do recall a significant contract going his way and more trips to the College World Series coming. So for him to think that Tim Tadlock is the type of person that would bolt on a university like this in a position he's in with the success he's had over one simple vote really says to me that this guy's talking with his emotions and is not looking at the facts. What I'm really frustrated with here is that Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt have stopped being journalists at this point, and they have inserted themselves into the story of college baseball. Make up your mind. Are you going to cover the sport, or are you going to champion whatever you think is right and you think is appropriate for college baseball? And then the real kicker for me Kendall comes in and is replying to someone and, and clarifying, yeah, you know, if if it wasn't passed, Texas Tech didn't have to pay the third assistant. They don't have to. It just gives schools the option to do so. And then I quote from his tweet, with that said, Joseph Hughes is an integral part of the TTU baseball program. He deserves it. So do you not know who the volunteer assistant coach is? Or are you saying if you pay another assistant, that's going to be Joe Hughes and not Eric Gutierrez? I feel like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth or maybe talking out of another hole because you don't seem to know who the staff is and what their roles are on the team. That's what I'm thinking. Now, to be fair, Kendall doesn't only throw shade at Texas Tech. He had another one, a tweet here, said, I have a lot of folks thinking I'm unfairly targeting Texas Tech. Definitely not intended. After all, Tech isn't the school in the Big 12 building a state-of-the-art facility, but unwilling to give Josh Holliday the option to have a third coach, CC, at OSU Baseball. So you're going to throw shade at basically every school in the Big 12 because, believe me, he's thrown shade at OU, Tech, Oklahoma State, and the University of Texas over a decision that their athletic directors made that 
he apparently disagrees with. Then he wants to kiss butt when he does talk to the AD from OU, and he says, we disagree, me and Joe Castiglione, we disagree, but it's important to listen to other opinions. Is it now? Because after you heard Kirby Hocutt's opinion, you threw him under the bus on Twitter and said his reasons weren't good enough for you. So what is it? Is it important to understand and listen to each other, or is it important to throw people under the bus for your Twitter follows? Now, Aaron Fitz, another piece of this puzzle. I don't know Aaron Fitz. I don't really know Kendall Rogers either, but I'll tell you that Aaron Fitz has called people spineless. He has said that they are disgraceful for not doing this. He says, be a grown-up and tell other sports that baseball's ratio is awful. Grow a spine and do the right thing. The fact that ADs at three of the big money Power Five conferences are working to deprive hardworking volunteers the chance to make a real living with benefits is just mind-numbingly gross. These schools can all afford to fund it, and I don't care if they do or do not, just vote yes. Oh, that's some really solid reporting there, Mr. Fit. Really sounds like the editorial page of the National Enquirer. It's ridiculous as you read through these. I know that it's Twitter, but these are two of the biggest voices in college baseball banging their drums so loud for their side of an argument, emotionally invested in it, and making no mention of the reasons that are out there to not. So let me talk about a couple of those reasons. So I did talk about Texas Tech staff, the University of Texas staff. Let's talk about revenue. The University of Texas, one of the top two revenue schools in all of college athletics in the country, over $215 million in revenue. And Texas Tech University, not even in the same zip code when it comes to revenues, somewhere in the 85 to $88 million in revenue range. So the University of Texas with $215 million in revenue with 10 full-time paid positions in their baseball program, Texas Tech on the same footing. Texas Tech is putting a much larger percentage of their budget into baseball, a non-revenue sport, to stay on even footing with other elite programs. And make no mistake, the University of Texas has had an elite baseball program. They were also in the College World Series last year. Don't forget that. And a ton of tradition there. So when you think about percentages of revenue that are going to that sport, think about the percentage that Texas Tech has committed. Tim Tadlock, one of the top page coaches in the country, there's a commitment. You have an extra special assistant on the staff. There's a commitment. You also have, and I don't have the numbers for this or reporting, but I do know and have heard and been told that Texas Tech has made a significant commitment to baseball's recruiting budget and that Texas Tech baseball has significant resources to go out there and recruit and to be successful on the recruiting trail. We saw that they were between number five and seven in Perfect Games recruiting rankings last year. That's in part due to J. Bob Thomas and the other others on the staff working their tails off, and it's in part due to resources, things that Kirby Hocutt has committed to that program to make it successful. And there's one more thing. Texas Tech baseball is about to get renovations. When the Coliseum comes down and the drive of champions is moved, baseball is going to be the beneficiary of some upgrades. Now, I understand that's not a new 60 or $70 million ballpark, but I don't know that that's necessarily needed. You also have Texas Tech athletics with 
20, maybe 25 years of growth that they're in the midst of. They have debt service to pay. They're about to build a $30 million basketball practice facility. They had a national championship run for basketball. So that, yes, a program that's making more money, but also a program that's demanding more resources as well as they raise on a national scale. I don't have a problem with Kirby Hocutt making good business decisions for Texas Tech University. Do I feel for volunteer assistant coaches that are out there working hard, pursuing their dream, struggling? Absolutely. I was an intern. I had an unpaid internship. It changed my life, set me on a whole different trajectory in my career, really learned a lot from it, but I dang sure wouldn't have stayed in it for seven years just because. I understand it's a difficult business. Get out there, find a job, and, and slog, because that's what Tim Tadlock did. Now, they have said over and over and over on Twitter that they know Tim Tadlock supports voting for this third-paid assistant. I'm sure he does. Jim Slosnagel said the same thing. I'm sure they do. Why would a coach not want more resources? Why wouldn't they want their guys to get paid and have those opportunities? Of course they do. And I'm sure it would be good for the sport. But I'm done with two guys that know nothing about Texas Tech, a guy that lives on the East Coast, and a guy that graduated from Texas A&M living in Houston telling everyone on Twitter that Texas Tech is wrong, that Kirby Hocutt is wrong, and that Tim Tadlock's going to walk away the next time somebody comes calling. That's ridiculous, and it pisses me off. So I know I've been ranting for a while, but I want to give you a little bit more backstory just in the interest of full disclosure here. When I started this podcast, I started it for a very specific reason. I started it because I love Texas Tech baseball. I love the experiences I've had watching it. I love going to Omaha with my, with my buddies and enjoying watching those games. I love getting to know players and their families. That's what it's about. It's a fantastic environment. It's a great program. There are great coaches. There's a lot of success there. There's a lot of success coming. But I started the podcast specifically because I was tired of listening to national shows like the D1 Baseball Podcast, reading their website, the Baseball America College Podcast, reading their website, and hearing almost nothing about Texas Tech. I would wait for a whole episode for just a mention of the Red Raiders. Sometimes they got a little bit of love. Sometimes they didn't get any love. Sometimes they got ignored completely. There was a podcast going through the top 25, and Texas Tech was number five. They skipped over them and never mentioned them in the entire podcast and then threw shade at me when I said something about it on Twitter. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. In December, when I was setting everything up and getting ready to launch this thing, my first email when I set up the Dinger Derby email was to Kendall Rogers. And I have asked him over and over and over to be a part of this show. We've emailed often, trying to set that up. He stood me up once when I was traveling to Austin. I actually missed going to visit my dad in the hospital because I was waiting for Kendall to come on at a time he said he would be there. He did not show up. The other day, I reached out to Kendall again and said, hey, a lot of talk about Kirby Hocutt in Texas Tech. Would love to have you on the show. Let's talk about it. He responded, said, this time tomorrow, I was there. I waited for almost 45 minutes. He never showed, and I moved on with my day. So yeah, I'm a little bit salty about that. I'm a little salty about getting ghosted. But the fact of the matter is they're wrong. Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt are wrong. They're out there beating their drum, blowing their trumpet about an issue in a sport that they're supposed to be covering, not a sport they're supposed to be part of the story. Maybe I agree with 
the emotional side of it, I can certainly see both sides of this argument. I can certainly see wanting to give guys opportunities, get them paid. But for Texas Tech, who's already dumping a bigger percentage of their budget into a non-revenue sport just so it can be successful, to ask them to say, hey, you know what? We need another $120,000. Say it was about sixty grand, maybe even seventy grand with benefits for the two positions. Because don't forget, you've got to have a position for baseball and a position for softball. that's a lot of money to a Texas Tech. Because as much as you want to talk about it on Twitter, Texas Tech is not in the same zip code as OU or as the University of Texas when it comes to revenue. $215 million in revenue and $88 million in revenue are a long way apart when you're trying to be competitive in college sports. So that's about it. I'm going to get off my soapbox. I'm going to get off here. We're going to preview the Baylor Bears, talk a little bit about the Duke game. I'm moving on from these guys. I'm done. Done reading this mess. Done talking about it. Thanks for listening to Throwing Ched. Let's talk about baseball. This guy's a first ball fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Dad's father gave it to him. You may not look like a winning team, but you are one. So, play like one tonight. Woo! Sorry, folks. Got a little fired up there. Get my, get my blood pressure up. I'm talking about these guys. You know what? If there's one thing about Red Raiders, you know, we might want to bash on our folks. We may get frustrated, but man... You come in and start poking at ours. We're going to throw up the defenses. That's how I feel about it. Let's talk about this Duke game. It was not a great day for the Red Raiders. Bryce Bonin got the start on the bump. He went four innings pitched. He gave up five hits, six runs, all of them earned a walk. And he had seven strikeouts. He did hit two batters, so he gave three free passes. And the problem in Bonin's outing, he had three wild pitches. And I do believe all of those wild pitches scored runs. So ultimately, just a rough outing for him. Mason Montgomery comes in in relief. He does throw two scoreless innings, allows two hits and a walk, but overall does a pretty good job. Kurt Wilson comes in. He actually does not record an out. He gives up two hits, three runs, all of them earned. A walk, he has a wild pitch in there as well. Really a bad outing for Kurt Wilson. That one kind of put the nail in the coffin, I feel like, was his. Caleb Freeman came out with an inning pitched. He gave up a hit, a walk. He got a couple of strikeouts. He did an okay job out there. I don't think Freeman has really just been himself this season. I think as I watch, you just not seen a lot of movement on the fastball, and I think that's been hurting him in the season, although he does still have the velo. Cade Farr came out for two-thirds of an inning. He gave up two hits and two runs as well as a walk. He had a wild pitch as well. Trey Garlett also gave up two hits and two runs. He had two walks. He did not record an out. And Hunter Dobbins came in for the final third of an inning. He got the the strikeout to end things. It was just not a pretty day. A team effort as well for Duke. But overall, just nothing could get going for the Red Raiders. I was calling a high school baseball game, trying to keep up and give a few updates here and there on the air. And it was just a wild pitch score to run. They stole home to score a run at one point. It was annoying to watch. All of a sudden, it's a 6-1 lead. The Red Raiders get it back to 3-6, but then another wild pitch scores that seventh run, puts them up four, and then you have a single that puts them up with a couple more runs. 
At one point, there was a bases clearing double. That was a three-run jack there for a, and a double to right field for Taylor. That that's what put him up six to one. So just a just a bad day for the Red Raiders at the plate. You only had a couple performances that were really worth mentioning. Gabe Holt did draw a walk, and he ended up coming around to score a run. Dylan Noisy had a hit and a couple runs scored. But really, Josh Young, he had a multi-RBI day. He went one for four. He had two ribbies. He did strike out once. And Cameron Warren, the only multi-hit day for the team, he went two for four. He had a ribby, one walk. He didn't have any stolen bases outside of one for Max Marshock. He came in a little bit later. You did still see the lineup shake up that you had seen before. A couple of changes still. Cole Stillwell still hung in the two-hole as a DH, but Dylan Noisy moved back into the leadoff spot. That's the second time this season he's been up there. Gabe Holt remained in the three-hole. You ended up seeing uh, Josh Young still at shortstop. He was still down there in that cleanup spot. And then Tanner Trimba got the start in left field this time in favor of Cody Masters, who ended up coming in and pinch hitting later and then taking the spot in left field. Parker Kelly... Was also out there in third base again. He was over on the day, struck out. He left three, and it just uh, it just was an ugly day for the Red Raiders. You're hoping to go out there to Durham, North Carolina, and get something going in the rematch against last year's Super Regional foe. Duke has been a little bit down. They're 21 and 16 on the season. They have a losing record in the ACC right now, and Red Raiders just not able to get it done. You know, it doesn't hurt the RPI. It's a road game against fairly quality team, you know, from a Power 5 conference, but just not what you were looking for as you try to get right. You know, I talked a couple weeks ago, and I said the Red Raiders have a couple weeks to put this together. They go out there to West Virginia. They had the New Mexico State game. They're going to have this Duke game. By the time Baylor comes, they got to be right. They got to have it figured out because all of a sudden you got 10 games at home in the meat of the Big 12 schedule. If you want any shot at the Big 12 or really – any shot at hosting, you're going to have to get things going. Well, the time has come. The Baylor Bears are coming to town. They're number one in the Big 12 Conference. They're 8-3 and three in the Big 12. They are rolling right now. And you're going to host them in a three-game series on Easter weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And the Red Raiders are going to have to be ready. I was talking to a friend as we were driving back from that high school baseball game that we called together. And, you know, we both kind of agreed. I haven't hit the panic button But if Tech doesn't at least get the series win, and really you need the sweep to really set yourself up a little bit better, if you don't get the series win against Baylor, I think you're in some trouble. Baylor's currently number 18 on the season. That Thursday game will be on Fox Sports Southwest. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. The Friday game is going to be on FS1, nationally televised, also at 6.30. And the Saturday game, again, on Fox Sports Southwest, and that'll be at 2 p.m. There'll be an Easter egg hunt after the game for the kiddos at that game on Saturday. So really important that you do something here against these Baylor Bears. As I said, you'll have 10 games at home, so you'll have a two-game stand against New Mexico Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. You'll host Oklahoma State the following weekend and a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Have a couple of televised games there too, ESPNU Saturday, Fox Sports Southwest Plus on Sunday. Then another two-game midweek stand against UTRGV Tuesday, Wednesday. One of those will be on Fox Southwest Plus on Tuesday. Then you'll go to Oklahoma To play that three-game series, you'll have another two-game midweek stand against FIU. That'll be a doubleheader on Tuesday, May 7th. And then you'll close out the season at home against the TCU Horned Frogs in another 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you will have a break in there for finals. Don't forget about that. So you play that FIU series on May 7th, and then you won't play the TCU Horn Frogs until Thursday, Friday, Saturday, starting May 16th. So let's run through the Baylor Bears schedule here briefly so you can get an idea what their season has been. They're 25-10 and 10 overall, 8-3, and three, as I said, in the Big 12 Conference. I'm going to hop around a little bit here. I'm not going to read them all to you, but they lost a game to Texas A&M 2-5. That was back on March 1st, kind of a big one for them. They actually lost a series to Nebraska that was in Waco, so th- there's a common opponent for you. They lost the first two. They did win the Sunday game 10-3 to over Nebraska. Of, of course, the Red Raiders lost a game to Nebraska in the Frisco College Baseball Classic. They also lost a game to Sam Houston State, a team that the Red Raiders would have faced on Sunday of that Frisco Classic, but was canceled for weather. The Baylor Bears did get the sweep over West Virginia. That was in Waco. They took the three games there. They also lost their Sunday game to Kansas. That one was on the road in Lawrence, so they took two out of three there. They split with Texas, winning the Friday game, losing Saturday, and the Sunday game was canceled. So that's the reason between Texas and Baylor with a canceled Big 12 game. That's the reason the conference will be decided by winning percentage rather than record, as we see usually. The Bears lost their Friday game to Oklahoma in Waco, but then came back to win Saturday and Sunday. The Sunday game was a 3-2 to two win, so really showing some moxie there to come back and win. Then they went ahead and they did beat Sam Houston State. That was actually just yesterday as I record this. On Tuesday, April 16th, they beat them 9-6 to six to split that season series. So now they'll be coming to Lubbock to face the Red Raiders, and they still have some meat left on their schedule too. They haven't faced TCU Kansas State or Oklahoma State yet. So plenty of opportunities left for Tech. I mean, there's plenty left for them to do to jump up and get done as far as this season goes, but they got to do it now. There's not going to be any more time to mess around. There's no more time to not gel or to not be working together or to have any sort of animosity together. I mean, it's time for some leadership to get these guys together and say, we're going to do it or are we not? Because to be honest with you, if the Red Raiders don't start winning some Big 12 series here and making some things happen, you're not talking about the College World Series. Then you're starting to talk about, are they even going to host a regional? I think their RPI will be strong enough still to probably to get them into the postseason if they don't start winning some games. But you know, you want to host a regional at the very least. I mean, this is just really starting to feel like a pretty bad season, the way things have gone. This team has just not come together and not been able to figure out whatever it is they need to figure out. It's been frustrating to watch for fans 100%, and it's just been uh, it's been frustrating, I'm sure, for the team as well. It's just kind of shades of 2015, and I don't like that at all. Look at Baylor's statistics here just briefly. I mean, all of their regular starters are – at or above 300 for the most part. Their big stud, Shea Langoliers, their catcher, he got injured for quite a while in the season, but he's back in action now. He's slugging a 457 for them. He's batting 295, but as I said, coming back from injury. They're led, they're led offensively by Davis Wenzel. He's batting a 380. He's third on the team in runs scored with 32, tied for the lead in hits with 52 on the season. He leads them in doubles with 16. Also second on the team in home runs with six. He's their RBI leader with 32. He's slugging a 628. I mean, really just a lot happening there. Also their walks leader at 23. So kind of what Josh Young was for the Red Raiders last year, Davis Wenzel has been 
for the Bears this year. I don't think the team is unbeatable by any means, but they were expected to be pretty good this season, and they have definitely shown that they have that going on. As far as their starting pitching goes, as far as their starting pitching goes, Paul Dickens has 48 innings pitched for them. He's got a 3.56 ERA. He's 4 and 1 in that time. Jimmy Winston also close behind with 41 innings pitched. He's 3 and 1 with a 198 ERA. There's a lot of good ERAs here. I believe Baylor leads the conference in ERA. You got guys with significant innings under their belt and, you know, 2 and 3 and 0 records with 175s, 195s, 198. There's one zero ERA on a guy that's got 18 appearances. He's 5-0, and and he's got 21 innings pitched. That's Kyle Hill. So, you know, when it comes to what Tech needs to do, it's very clear. you got to come out, and you got to find hits against good pitching. I mean, that's what conference play is all about. That's what it's going to be about with the Baylor Bears as well. you got to have clean play in the field. That's always important. The Red Raiders have definitely kind of got the error bug push down a little bit, even though they're still experimenting and trying to figure things out in the field, but you got to get some bats working. Whether it's Max Marshawk hitting some off-speed pitches, or heck, if he needs to keep bunting out and legging them out, Gabe Holt's been legging out singles. He legged three out against West Virginia. I mean, you know, he had a fantastic weekend hitting 500, and some of that was from just pure hustle, getting himself out of the box and down that baseline as fast as you can imagine. So, Really got to see something from these Red Raiders. As I said, don't push the panic button yet, Texas Tech fans, but you're kind of, we're kind of getting close. You know, need to see something from the Baylor Bears series here. Or, uh, there's going to be some things to worry about for this team when it comes to the postseason. So I appreciate you hanging with me. I know it's a little bit longer than normal today. That throwing Chad segment, I got a little upset and got fired up, but appreciate you listening. Hope I didn't offend you. If I did, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I do care about what you think as Red Raiders, but just uh, get a little frustrated when I see some of that stuff. I think Kirby Hocutt has proven that he does a pretty stinking good job for Texas Tech. He's going to make the right decisions for this university for this athletic department. He's going to make smart decisions. And I just refuse to believe that he's making a decision just to poke somebody in the eye or to not commit to them because you know, we all know that he has committed significant resources to this team and he's done it the right way for the right folks that are going to be successful. And I respect that. I appreciate it as a baseball fan. I appreciate it as a, as a sports fan all around. And I respect his decisions when it comes to what he's doing. So anyway, I hope it's going to be a good one for you. I hope you get to make your way out to the ballpark. A nice holiday weekend should be a beautiful day out there. So make sure you get out there. If you can't catch it on TV, you have lots of opportunities for that this weekend as well. But don't talk to you before then. We'll see you at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. And until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me